Let's get to the fan focus. All right, letting us off in the fan focus tonight, it's going to be Nick and Dustin on Deshaun getting the call to play on Sunday. He's still going to be week to week in my mind for at least November. Man, that's not it, – it, it's in a lot of ways, guys, it's just protecting yourself yeah. from the unknown. And it's protecting yourself from an organization that has not handled this cleanly and that has, for the second time in three years – muddy the waters on a quarterback with a shoulder injury this time this one's a lot scarier when it's your throwing shoulder when it's your when it's a thing that that makes you a 230 million dollar quarterback yeah you can go out there and throw for 300 yards i'm still gonna be clenching the whole time you can go out there and throw for 300 yards i'm still gonna be watching him with with optimism but concern against baltimore yeah i i would agree and i'm i'm very concerned about this game I think your point's well served. You know, can he finish the game? How does he walk away from this game on Sunday in terms of his health? Do they win the game? Does he play well? There's all kinds of things. A lot of uncertainty going into this game. A lot of uncertainty going into this game. The first part I want to focus on a little bit more, though. The the idea that comes to Sean this weekend. I just... I. Listen, I don't know what we're going to get. I don't know how anybody could know what we're going to get. What they do with Deshaun after we've seen him play a couple drives is going to be fascinating. If he's great, then awesome. We don't have to worry about anything. We can we can stock the win away, and then we can all of a sudden have a lot of high energy, high thoughts, high opinions of this team moving into a, a really tough Baltimore game. You guys have heard me talk about Baltimore in the past couple weeks. I don't go goo-goo-gaga over football teams often, okay? And I certainly don't want to do that for the Ravens. I would rather do anything but that for the Ravens. But right now, they got the number one scoring defense in the NFL. They have a top seven scoring offense as well. They look really good. Lamar and this offense is working. The defense is working. I'm scared of Baltimore. There's going to be no room for error in that game if we want to take down the Ravens. And so I need... Deshaun to be clicking. And that's why I don't mind the move to Deshaun early and going this week instead of giving him another week because I, I want that feel-out game. I want him to have the opportunity that if things aren't going right, it's okay. Not the end of the world. You can go three and out. Back-to-back opening drives. And guess what? Three and out is going to be the order of the day when it comes to what Arizona is going to be able to do on offense. That'll change if it's not Clayton Toon and it's Kyler Murray. But for right now, it's Clayton Toon you got to be able to shut that guy down, and I believe the defense will. So you're going to have opportunities there for Deshaun. All right, next up, Ken and Lima on winning Sunday as Ken is taking his kid Axel to his first Browns game. Axel's going to his first game tomorrow, uh, Sunday. Now, he don't, I don't even think he knows yet, and I don't think he's listening right now. Boy, it'd be a hell of a thing if he was, huh? I He has... He doesn't know... And I had the choice to go, all right, San Francisco or Arizona was basically what I boiled it down to. And I chose Arizona because I thought it was a better chance to win. Am I making too big of a deal, considering our history, am I making it too big of a deal to see a win? Because I told you, the first time I went to the Indians game, my dad was nervous about like them winning the Indians game. They won 13-9. I remember everything about it. I've told you that story a million times. The Browns... Is it ex- for the first time ever? Is it really that important for the kid that they win? I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Now, what's interesting is that obviously we won the 49ers game, but going into that game, we were double digit dogs. So 
You couldn't have expected that. And then going into this game, we're double-digit favorites, so you can expect a win, but it might not go that way. Ooh. Ooh, wouldn't that be a kick to the chandelier? Not only do you have to spend the whole entire week talking about that loss and how bad it would be, but then also you knew that you kind of took the win away with the 49ers game that ended up being a win. But I, I honestly, I don't think it matters. I'll let you free on this one, Ken. I, I really don't think it matters. I think it's your son, and your son sees all the work you do for the Browns and sees how involved you are with the Browns, and I think he's going to love the Browns. I don't think a win or a loss in that first game matters, but I, my kids haven't gotten to that point, my kids. I got one kid. My kid hasn't gotten to that point. She's eight months old, going to be nine months old this month. Like I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I would bet, though, their first game is not going to make or break the entire deal. It'll be more about what happens in the day-to-day. You know, when Dad watches the Browns games, is he getting really excited and involving me? Or when Dad watches the Browns games, do I look at it like, oh, no, I can't play with my dad because he's watching the Browns games? That's honestly the worry I have. That's why when my daughter gets of age and we're watching Sunday football together, I think that will be a really nice thing. And I'll get her invested into the teams and the players, and it could be a nice bonding thing. But if she doesn't like sports, then she might look at it as a, like a, oh, that's, that's, football takes daddy away from me. I honestly think that's what it's going to end up coming down to. But it seems like Axel likes football already, so I think you're all right. All right, next up, Baskin and Phelps on the Michigan game. I just think Michigan, when this is all said and done, they're going to lose some scholarships, which are going to be taken away from kids somewhere down the road that really have no anything with this. Harbaugh is going to end up not coaching at Michigan. He'll end up in the NFL somewhere, right? That's going to happen at some point, I would think. And so, and then the other part of it is, you know, so the, uh, the NCAA, uh, and then they're going to take away some recruiting trips from Michigan. Like, can we just cut to the end of this thing? Seriously, I don't care how mad the other coaches are in the Big Ten. You know, it's not like the game has, uh, the ethics of the game are like, whatever. The NCAA, no, no one cares now. The NCAA has never moved quickly on anything. I, I don't expect no. them to start moving quickly now. I like that people are coming around to what I've been saying for, well, since the whole entire thing opened up. People were calling for Harbaugh's job. I was the guy in the corner saying nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. Now, do I think something should happen? Sure, but nothing's going to happen. I've just seen this too many times. The NCAA cares if you lie to them. That's why they cared what happened with Harbaugh and the burger incident and all that nonsense. Because he lied to them. Kevin Ollie got a show cause based off the idea that he just lied to the NCAA. That's how this works. Bruce Pearl, show cause, lied to the NCAA. Aaron Kraft was eating burgers at your house. I don't know why you lied about it. That's what they care about. They're not gonna they're not gonna lose their marbles over this one. I don't think so. I've never thought that though. And I do think when it comes to the Big Ten, it's funny people are like, oh, the Big Ten has to step in and be the big bad bully. No, the Big Ten wants Michigan in the dance. They want him in the playoff. They want him uh, out there in the spotlight. Right now, you got Ohio State and Big Ten as the two reps for this conference. You take away, you handcuffed and, and take away one of those teams, all that does is hurt the conference. All these other Big Ten schools rooting for Michigan's downfall, all right then, don't tell me how superior the Big Ten is when it's just Ohio State again. When it's just Ohio State and a bunch of other teams. Now, hopefully, that changes when you add USC and you add UCLA. UCLA is supposed to, or USC is supposed to be one of the best teams in college football. They got multiple losses already this year. Like, I, I don't know that that, that program is trending up. That's been, that's been since Pete Carroll 
of them talking about being great and not actually being great. So I, I be careful what you wish for. One of the more interesting parts about this whole entire development is the idea that Ohio State fans kept talking about how much, oh, we love the game. It's so great because Michigan is good again. And then you fast forward and Michigan is really good. And you're like, oh, how do we get them in trouble? How do we make this work? And oh, by the way, the development from today is the idea that Ryan Day's family is involved in setting this whole thing up. Can't hate the move. Can't hate the move one bit. First off, I don't care that it's Ryan Day's family that's involved. But if you're Ryan Day, you're on the doorstep of being fired if you lose to Michigan one more time. I don't care. I'd clean it up, too. I would try to I would try to make every case imaginable that what they did was wrong, what they did is cheating, and I would try to make sure everybody knows it. Because, honestly, Ryan Day might have extended his lifeline at Ohio State, where if he lost to Michigan this third year in a row, I think it would have been blouses for him. didn't matter what happened. I think it would have been blouses. Now he can lose to Michigan a third time. I think he still might have his job. See what I did there? It's not bad. All right, next up. Nick and Dustin on ugly ugly Christmas sweaters? It's November. All right, ugly Christmas sweaters. Let's do it. I think at this point in 2023, assuming that you celebrate Christmas, that's a big assumption, but assuming you celebrate Christmas, you have to have at least one. Right? Like Everybody's got to have at least one. I have like three. Keith is the anomaly. Keith is the person who will have one simply to to tell you to go bleep yourself if you try and wear one. Am I right? I don't have one. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? I just never wore one. Why not? I've never really, like, I don't know, like, every time people have worn them. I've never yeah. been to, like, a party where it's been, like, required mm-hmm. to have it. You just wear them. Yeah. You could just get in, like, the Christmas spirit. I'm not the ugly Christmas kind of guy. Why not? I would think you should be like they they do wonders for my form, uh, lumpy as it is. But for you, like you get like a real tight one, you'd look like you know Jack Santa over there. I'm not an ugly Christmas guy either. Ugly Christmas sweater guy. That's not my deal. I don't really do. I don't partake in that one. The funny thing that they didn't talk about today though was the idea that so would they have a board app a board op excuse me board app board op. And the board op's name is Mac, and they told Mac yesterday that everyone was dressing up in an ugly Christmas sweater. None of them dressed up in an ugly Christmas sweater, and then Mac was dressed up in the ugliest of ugly Christmas sweaters, and he looked like an absolute buffoon. Now, it wasn't intentional. I don't think it was intentional, at least. I think Dustin and Nick just both forgot. But either way, it left Mac looking like an absolute idiot. And that part was pretty funny. Like that was that's that's pretty that's pretty funny. So now I got to see them next week. Next week I would imagine they tell them the same thing, and Mac won't dress up, and then the two of them will dress up, and that'll be high comedy because then I'll be the guy on the outside looking in. That's fun. All right, next up, Ken and Anthony. I'm Deshaun. I can only go on what I know and on what I see. I only saw a little bit. I thought he did look better yesterday. I did think there was more zip on it. More zip enough for me to say, yeah, absolutely, you got to play. No, but I do think that there's plenty of people out there who saw that, who believed that he should play yesterday, then saw the Steelers game yesterday, and see that they're 5-3 and three and thinking, we got to keep up in the division. And that, I have to be, I have to be open to that conversation with people. I can't just say that you're silly for that, because winning is an important thing, and people do want to get to the playoffs, uh, I, I think he's feeling the pressure. I think he's feeling the pressure of, I signed this big contract. I know right now my approval rating in the city is the lowest for me it's ever been any time in my life. 
that's got to be tough on him. He knows what people say about him. He does him and his group. They they obviously have rabbit ears on on things. I think he does want to push the pace to try to play. But it's up to the team to make sure that that is not working to a detriment. Yeah, and that's that's where we're at a crossroads in this, right? Who gets the final call on this one? By all accounts, and what it looks like, it's Deshaun's decision. As it usually is when you make $230 million. It gets to be your decision. Your dime, your dance for at that point. And I'm sorry if Kevin Spansky doesn't like hearing that, but that's the reality. And I'm sure Kevin's very aware of that reality. It's just... Is that the best interest of the Browns? I thought it was fascinating in that indie game where it felt like Kevin was truly in control. And so then Kevin got to make that decision after Deshaun Watson had left. Then it was like, all right, hey, P.J. Walker's dealing as much as P.J. Walker can deal. We're going to keep you on the sidelines and then we'll live to fight another day. I don't know what's going to happen on Sunday, but that's an interesting development moving forward if that's how that one goes down as well. All right, leave that there. We're coming on back. I want to hear from you guys. When the Cavs wrap up, we'll get to that one as well. Shouldn't be too much longer. Close game. Shouldn't be too much longer. But two one six four seven four to below 92. I watched Thursday Night Football last night, and I have a takeaway as it relates to Kenny Pickett. Are you ready to give him credit? I'll let you know if I am or if I'm still on the outside looking in when it comes to the credit for Kenny Pickett. Two one six four seven four double O ninety two. It's overtime with Jonathan Beetle. And here with you on the fan. All right, we got a little bit. There's a lot going on here. There's a lot going on. The the Cavs have the ball very late in this game. We'll get to the Cavs as soon as they wrap up. It's just, uh, you know, it's one of those type of moments in this show where you're sitting there and you're like, I know I'm going to have to talk about the Cavs for the next, like, 40 minutes or so. We got the NBA in-season tournament going on. They have all the the shirts out there that say NBA in-season tournament. They have these wacky, weird blue courts that they're trying to make sure that when you see them. Here's where I'll give the NBA some credit, okay? I'll give their, I'll give them some credit for trying some things out. And you know if you tune into a game, because these courts look so obnoxious, you know that you're watching an in-season tournament game. Like, that's it. That's, it's what it is. You, you're watching the tournament. You want, there's no confusing it. Anyway, we'll get to that coming up in just a little bit here. I did have a, a Kenny Pickett take that I want to get off my chest here. Um, Kenny Pickett now has four career game-winning touchdown passes in the last five minutes of regulation when his team is trailing. That is the most by any quarterback over his first two seasons in NFL history. I actually think this is a good thing for Browns fans that Kenny Pickett and the Steelers continue to try to find ways to win because it almost it almost sleeps them into the idea that they're a better team than they really are. Go ahead. Keep winning. That's fine. You're not going to win anything more, excuse me, than eight, nine, ten games. You're not a serious team as far as the postseason is concerned. All right, the weird part about it, Tomlin keeps winning. This is one of the worst Steeler defenses we've seen in years, mixed with what is arguably just a really bad offense. The Steelers are 28th in yards per game offensively. They're 30th in defensive yards per game allowed. It's wild. Five and three comes in all different shapes and sizes, and I think that's what we're, uh, what we're figuring out here. And I know a lot of people look at the Browns and they'll say, well, the Browns shouldn't be X, Y, and Z after this weekend, right? We shouldn't be where we currently are. But when you look at it, the Steelers are showcasing why they are such a fraudulent and unserious team. I know. Great. Congratulations. You're winning. The point differentials of the teams with five plus wins this year, 
plus 86, plus 81, plus 78, plus 77, plus 67, plus 58, plus 52, plus 37, plus 35, plus 30. It's 10 teams. Okay. There's a lot of teams with five plus wins, apparently. And then there are the Pittsburgh Steelers, minus 30. One of these teams is not like the other. Minus 30? They've been outgained in yards in all eight games this season, but still have a 5-3 and three winning record. No team in the Super Bowl era has done that at the midway point of the season. Now, I can't explain why for three and a half quarters, the man looks like he's never thrown a football in his life, and then for half a quarter, he turns into Mr. Reliable. I can't explain that. That one doesn't make any sense to me. And I don't buy that he needs pressure to succeed or anything like that, since every game he plays in at this point should have pressure, since he hasn't been good enough to feel secure yet. But it's weird. It'd be like if you were a car salesman, and on Tuesday afternoons, You sold more cars than you sell at any other point throughout the week, and it's consistently always Tuesday afternoons. You just are awesome. You'd be like, what am I eating at lunch on Tuesdays? i got to do this every single day. It's so inexplainable. For some reason, Kenny Pickett is an absolutely trash quarterback, and then in the very few minutes in the fourth quarter remaining, he just turns into this completely other world guy that can actually go out and win games and have drives. No, it helps. The way that Mike Tomlin plays and coaches a football game, it helps that you don't need 35 points to win any of these games, which is remarkable considering how their defense has really not been good this year. I know that's like the calling card for Mike Tomlin. The defenses aren't good this year. They're just not. I mean, they're 30th in defensive yards per game. People are acting like they're outstanding. They're, they're not. I have no idea how these games are as low scoring as they end up being. But it's not really because the Steelers' defense is doing their part. Now, the Steelers' defense forces a lot of turnovers, and I think that helps. And the Steelers' offense has turned the ball over at a crazy high rate, which clearly doesn't help at all. But what's fascinating to me is that I am not ready to give Kenny Pickett any sort of credit at all. I I think so many people expect me to come out here and they say, wow, Jonathan, you really have some egg on your face. And, man, you're, you're not, you can't. You got nothing as far as Kenny Pickett is concerned. You talked all this trash about Kenny Pickett, and look at him showing you wrong. No, 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 no. This isn't about winning the battle. This is about winning the war. Kenny Pickett is not a good quarterback in my mind, and no part of that has changed because on Thursday night, he was able to outdo a quote-unquote Will Levis. Not buying into that one, one iota. 216-474-0092. John and Canton up next. Hello, John. Hey, how you doing, buddy? What's up, John? Hey, um... I, I, I hate Steelers, but uh, from my Steelers fans' friends, they're, they they want Tomlin fired. But man, they're he's doing a great job coaching the whole coaching staff. I, I mean, they're winning games they shouldn't be winning, especially against the Browns and that Titans game uh, last night. They should have they should have lost. But well, they were the favorites. I mean, they were the favorites in that game. It's not like the Titans are some juggernaut. I know, but I was hoping for the tiebreaker. But it's just. Somehow, some way, they find a way to win. It just it, it peeves me off. I, <laughs> you're right, John. You're right about that. It peeves me off too. I'm going to be honest, but like, but I but I think it can be a good thing for the Browns, and I appreciate the call, John. I think it could be a good thing for the Browns. What I mean by that is, what's what the Steelers convince themselves that Mike Tomlin is this all everything coach? He hasn't won a playoff game in six years. Let's let them convince themselves. That Kenny Pickett is anything more than a garbage quarterback. Hasn't been good at all, with the exception of with like 
five minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. I'm all right. What could let them convince themselves that they're on the right track, that they have this figured out, that the NFL is easy. Let them convince themselves that uh, this is where they need to be because they can't play this way against good teams and expect to walk away with a bunch of W's. I'll give them credit for the win against the Ravens three weeks ago. It's incredible. They won three out of the last four games, and you look up and you're like, what happened? I mean, they haven't scored over 26 points in a game yet this year. How serious can I take you? When you haven't, your high for the season offensively is nine points fewer than what the leading scoring offense in the NFL averages. Dolphins are averaging nine points more per game than what the highest mark the Steelers have hit all year is. They're not a very good offensive team, and, and honestly, they're not as good of a defensive team as we usually see Mike Tomlin defensive teams be. I'll let you win five games. I'll let you get to that point. Doesn't bother me one bit. I'll let you get to that point if that's what you want. Get to five. I don't care. You're not going to get to 10. You're not going to get to 11. And they're going to feel like the Ravens did last year when they had Tyler Huntley at quarterback in the first round of the postseason. Drawing dead. Took on Cincinnati. Wasn't even a close game. Drawing dead and everybody knew it. Cincinnati beat them in back-to-back weeks and they could have, they could they dog walked them. Wasn't even close. It wasn't a competition. Everybody in the building knew it. They showed up. They took their beating, and then they kept that thing moving. But Steelers fans might be able to try to convince themselves that they're on the right path. Oh, you guys know I like First and Pod. That's the uh, the podcast with Philipponi and Danny Parkins. I actually started re- listening to it recently, very very recently. I like Danny Parkins a lot. And and Pony though, and I don't get to listen to either one of them that much to be honest. But Pony's on it, and uh, and Pony was wearing like a Kenny Pickett jersey. Like, like full-on, like, Steelers at Kenny Pickett jersey, the whole everything. It's like, let them convince themselves that they have a guy. Let them convince themselves that they have a quarterback that can actually win games in the NFL because in the fourth quarter, for some reason, Kenny Pickett, he's like Kenny Chesney for the first three and a half quarters. And then for the final, like, five minutes in the fourth quarter, he turns into Joe Montana, and we're like, all right, fine. Go ahead. Convince yourself that that's going to happen. I'm not buying into it one bit. And all these people that want to just wax poetic about how great Mike Tomlin is, go ahead. Keep going down that road, too. doesn't bother me one bit you keep going down that road. All right. That's going to do it. That's a ball game in Indy. Cavs fall, 121-116. Miles Turner, 27 points. Donovan Mitchell, 38 points and five rebounds. And that's going to do it. That's a, that's a, a Cavs loss to the Pacers in what should not have been. I mean, it ended up being a close game. They were down 17 at one point. They fought back. They battled back. I just, this is a tough one to dissect. We had Allen back in play. We had Garland back in play. Darius scores 14 points. Missed my bet of 14 and a half by half a point. That's a tough one to swallow, but that's not why we're here. 14 points. Allen scored 10. Donovan had another outstanding night offensively. I'm left a little speechless on this one. I can't believe that the Pacers are that much better a team than the Cavs. In fact, I know they can't be. We didn't shoot the three ball particularly well, 28% of the night. And to be honest, we haven't really shot the three ball well going on years now. 
It's been a big reason why you went out there and got Max Struess was to go ahead and help out the three-point percentage and to have that outside threat. Max Struess in the starting lineup with the core four tonight. He was one for six with the deep ball, scored ten points, didn't really look prolific at all. He's had one good game in his Cavs era. That was the very first game against the Nets. He looked awesome since then. He has basically been just a guy. Karis LeVert felt like he wouldn't stop shooting the ball, but he got double digits when it was all said and done. Yang got double digits as well. We basically had only those two as far as production off the bench. And then Okoro got a lot of minutes, but obviously Okoro doesn't score that much, even though he's looked better as of late. But I want to hear from you guys on this one. 216474 to below 92. Give me your early impressions of the NBA in-season tournament. I'm going to back this one up for the NBA as well. But Cavs fall to the Pacers. They lose by five points. And now we enter this stretch here. This is why this is important. We talked about this the other day. The idea that the schedule is not kind to the Cavs moving forward. We have now moving forward. We have a game against Golden State into Oklahoma City, into Golden State, into Sacramento, Portland, Detroit, Denver, Philadelphia, Miami, Los Angeles. This is a tough stretch for the wine and gold. There is no other way to look at it. It's not an easy stretch for him. Now, I, I do need to look up. Jack, you're a big NBA guy. Losing one game doesn't do a thing as far as the NBA in-season tournament is concerned, right? We get a couple more cracks at this, right? I mean, you play four games and... That's the group play, right? Yeah, correct. So we got group play group against play automatically the, the, makes it. Okay, because we got group play at Pacers, Pistons, 76ers, and Hawks. So we got to advance out of our group play. Is that the idea? Yeah. So there's only you, one team if, advance out of our group play. Correct. And then there's a wild card spot on both sides. How many people are in our group play? Five. Five. Us and then those four. Us and those other four. Yes. I have done zero research into the NBA in season tournament. The only thing I know is that it is not. The trophy is named, uh, uh, it's a cup. The NBA Cup. The NBA Cup. I wanted it to be called... Chalice. The Chalice. The NBA Chalice I thought would have been a little bit better. Uh, the logos on the court are ridiculous. But I like that the NBA is trying. I like that they're out there giving us different things to look after. And then watch. When you go group play into the knockout round, into the regular season games or whatever, into the semi and the finals and the final. All right. 216474 to below 92. Cavs fall in their first game in group play, which if it's a, if it's five teams and you play four games each, I'm going to assume that basically eliminates them from the in-season tournament. I'm assuming you basically got to go perfect 4-0 to advance out. That would be my guess. Do we have tiebreakers in this? Probably. I like, what if you so. go 3-1? I think, yeah, then. We're not, like, meeting down at the schoolyard to, like, hey, shirts and skins to figure out who advances <laughs> to the next round. Like, how do we do this? <laughs> I, I don't know how that part works. All right, I'm Maybe lost. Maybe you go to points. I'm lost. I don't know. You're lost. We'll do research. But more importantly, we're trying to figure out your guys' thoughts here. Cavs fall another one. Two and four to open up the year. 121-116. Has this Cavs team let you down just a little bit? Alex Clancy covers the Cardinals. He'll join us coming up at 10. Cavs fans, your time is now. It's overtime with Jonathan Beedlin here with you on the fan. Right now we're talking about the Cavs. As in that third quarter... They made an absolute ridiculously awesome comeback. They outscored the Pacers by 16. They shot 68% from the field. They out-rebounded them. They out-assisted them. Really was the third quarter from heaven for the Cavs. Like, they were awesome in that third quarter. Erased the 17-point deficit completely. Came out of the gate firing. And then Indianapolis, or Indiana, excuse me, was just the better team in the fourth. There was a couple questionable moves, I thought. I thought Isaac Okoro and that shot with 10 seconds left in the fourth 
questionable. Questionable on the behalf that it shouldn't be Isaac Okoro, or excuse me, not Isaac Okoro, Karis LeVert taking that shot in general. Like, that's just not, that's not the right play. Now, Donovan was the one with two seconds left that made it to the free throw line, and you had an opportunity a little bit there, but at that point it's a five-point game. Game was basically out of reach after the Halliburton free throws that he made. It's just, when the game was tight and the game was close, Halliburton made the 22-footer. That made it a three-point game. Before that stretch, though, you had the bad pass by Darius Garland. You had the Evan Mobley turnover, out of bounds, bad pass by Mobley. And it was just an awful sequence for a team that seemed like they should have been right there at the very end. Indiana was trying to vomit all over their shoes at the end of that game. They were trying to choke that one away. It felt almost intentional, as if Indiana just didn't want to play in that, uh, what we say it was, you go to group play, and then you go to something else, you come out of group play. This soccer-style NBA thing is throwing me way off. I can't stand it for the life of me. But I appreciate what the NBA is trying to do. Idiots like me are going to learn what to do with this, okay? It's going to take us a little bit of time. In group play, and the Pacers are in our group play, that's why we're playing them. Pacers start off 1-0, Cavs are 0-1, okay. The in-season tournament for the Cavs might only be four games long now. Now, what I'm sad about that with is that it genuinely did feel like it was going to be the type of thing that Cavs fans were really going to get into, but it kind of feels like the type of thing that you'd convince yourself matters if we're good at it, and you convince yourself it doesn't matter if we're not good at it. It's like how uh, kids treated the ACT in high school. The kids that took the ACT and got really good scores on it, they were like, this is awesome. This is that, Yeah, like the ACT matters. Get into college with a poor ACT. Good luck. And then the kids that had bad ACTs would turn around and be like, well, you can't judge a giraffe on how it climbs a tree. Why are we using such an archaic method of test scores to try to figure out who's good at school? Like, what? And who's good? And who's smart? That doesn't make any sense. What? And it was always that battle, right? Like the kids that were good at it liked it and, and appreciated what it was, and the kids that just weren't good at it didn't and thought it was stupid. And that's kind of what the NBA in-season tournament is for me right now. I feel like the fan bases where the teams are awesome are going to be like, greatest idea ever. Why didn't we think of this sooner? How quick can we get that banner at the top of our building? And the the teams that are bad at it, like the Cavs are starting off 0-1, you're probably going to turn around and think to yourself, why are we wasting our time with this? We got funky courts. Everyone's wearing in-season tournament T-shirts. Stupid. Absolutely stupid. Jax, you had, a, you had a good ACT, didn't you? No, I don't believe it for a second. It was okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I knew. <laughs> I knew when I asked. I think you're a smart kid, but I think you'd be the type of kid that'd be like, you don't judge a giraffe on how they yeah, climb a tree. Yeah, not a good test taker yeah, at That's all. what all the dumb kids say, but you're smart. <laughs> I know you're smart. <laughs> I always loved that excuse. That excuse was always great. And people that say it, they were so... So fervently, like, this is the reality. I'm just not a good test taker. I'd psych myself out for the test. Oh, you mean you didn't know the answers that were asked on the test, and that's why you're a bad test taker? No, 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 no. They'd be like, no, I clam up. I get I get too nervous. Okay, you keep telling yourself that one there, Skipper. Yeah, yeah. The reason why I'm not a Major League Baseball player is when I happen to get in the box and try to hit a 95-mile-per-hour fastball, turns out I just got nervous, and that's why I can't do that skill. It's not the fact that I can't hit a 95-mile-per-hour fastball. No, I just get nervous. Yeah, it's not the fact that you didn't know anything about history and you went to take a history test and couldn't tell me the slightest thing as to why you failed that test. No, no, no. It's the fact that you got nervous. That's what happened there. 
Sure. <sighs> but we're not going to talk about ACT scores around here. We're talking about the in-season basketball tournament. And honestly, I feel like the NBA is on to something here. I like to give credit where credit is due. I know you guys aren't going to be happy about it because the Cavs started off with a loss. And so the in-season tournament is going to be a big nothing burger for us. But you know what I do like? I appreciate when people give – I appreciate when people go for and they try new things. Like baseball tried the pitch clock setup because they wanted to knock off time from the games. And what happened? We're like, this is awesome. I can watch a whole baseball game in two and a half hours. The game moves quicker. It moves faster. It grabs my attention better. Awesome. 20 years ago, Major League Baseball never would have made that move because they would have been scared of the reaction based off of it. Now, Major League Baseball hit a point where they realized, we are I mean, we can't get kids to pay attention to this game at all. We got we to gotta do something about this. And so they, it was almost out of desperation. But out of desperation came a really good idea. And then, honestly, it made it's made the games a lot better. This is all the NBA is trying to do. They know right now they got a stranglehold on number two in society. It's football, then it's basketball, then it's baseball. But I think if they're being really honest with themselves, the reason why they're number two and not number three has a lot to do with the fact that their postseason happens when the NFL is not playing games. Baseball playing their postseason in the most important parts like their most important games, their most important parts of the season are during when the NFL is going on, absolutely cripples the sport in my mind. It destroys baseball and every everything they have going for it, that the most important games, the most important moments are all when the NFL is going on. So the NBA knows they can't get fat and happy. They can't just sit back and rest on their laurels. A lot of the reason why they have success is twofold. One, their postseason is happening when the NFL has nothing going on. And number two, they know how to stir the pot in a good way. They're good at creating drama. NBA is very good at creating drama. And uh, people at these days, they just like drama. It is what it is. They're good at that stuff, though. They're very good at those two things. Sometimes the off-the-court stuff with the NBA is as good as the on-the-court at times. But where I give them credit... It's not easy to roll the dice and take chances in sports these days. You could sit back. Baseball could have sat back and said, we're a $10 billion a year industry. We don't have to try hard to make the game better. We'll exist on our diehards. We'll exist on the regional play. We'll exist on all these things. But it's not how the game works. you got to take chances. And the NBA is just taking a chance. I like it. I appreciate it. I am someone myself. That I think I, I think I play it safe in life more often than not. So I can appreciate when people just go for it, okay? Feels like when you, you see friends post a video online of themselves reacting to a game or a thought, and it's not something they do all the time. Some will make fun of that attempt. They will. Me, I always appreciate that attempt. I appreciate when the person puts themselves out there. Like, I'm going to use Jax as another example here. I'm going to pick on you, Jax. But, like, if Jax came out with, like, an NBA postgame thought and he wanted to get a Cavs channel going because he's a young broadcaster and he's trying to get his whole everything out there, some people might look at it and be like, ooh. Ooh, that lighting's not good. Or, oh, man, wow, you bought that mic? You're trying to get out there with that quality? Me, I look at that and I say, way to go, man. Like, good job. Way to put yourself out there. That's not easy to do. That's what the NBA is doing, the same thing. They're taking a risk. They're rolling the dice. I like that. I appreciate it. So I'm not going to be leading the campaign of people that just want to poo-poo the NBA in-season tourney. 
Do I think they're going to be hanging banners for the winner and they're going to do like championship ring ceremonies and they're going to hoist the cup up like they just won the actual NBA Finals trophy? Like, no, probably not. That might look a little ridiculous. Is it an entry on their Wikipedia page, NBA in-season champion? Maybe not right now. You know, maybe not in the moment. But give this thing 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. The NBA had to do something because, honestly, so many NBA fans, NBA fans, not just casual fans, NBA fans, thought the sport didn't start until December 25th. And now the NFL took December 25th as well. They're like, no, you got to start on MLK Day. They're like, what? We lose three weeks because you want to play games on, on Christmas? And the NFL's like, yeah, that's how this works. We're the big bad bully. This is how this works. And the NBA's like, all right, fine, we'll start on MLK Day. They basically deep pants them and took their lunch money, and the NBA had no response because they couldn't have any response. But this is a good response. This is drawing up interest this early in the season. This is what the NBA has to do. We're going to laugh at it. Fine. We're going to make our jokes. We're going to talk about the courts, which, by the way, I think was a genius marketing play. Not only is everybody talking about how ridiculous the courts are, so the conversation today was reminding everybody that the NBA in-season tournament was happening which was genius in and of itself. But then number two, anytime you flip on an NBA game from now until that NBA in-season tournament is over, you're going to think to yourself, oh, oh, yeah, NBA in-season tournament. Okay. All right. Let's do this thing. It's on. Just a nice, It's a nice reminder that you're watching the NBA in-season tournament. You don't need a reminder when you're watching the NBA playoffs. You know, like, hey, my team's either in it or they're not in it. I don't need that reminder in life. But I flip on a random Lakers-Celtics game or something like that, or whoever's in whatever group, and then I see that wacky court, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, okay, all right, I see what happened here. I'm watching the NBA in-season tournament. Group play is outstanding this year. That's all I know is group play. I don't know anything else beyond it. I think the finals are actually in Vegas. Is that right? Finals are in Vegas? Yeah, and I think one of the other, like, Elimination games is in Seattle. Seattle? Yeah. I think Vegas and Seattle. So basketball's back in Seattle? Yeah. That's cool. Good for Seattle. Not that I care. <laughs> I don't care if they ever get a basketball team again. I don't. I feel bad for them. I do. I feel bad for them because, they. I mean, honestly... It sucks to have a team ripped away from you, as we all know here, right? Like, that's an awful feeling. That's not great. But they got a hockey team now. Like, they're they're doing things. They're all right. It's not like an NFL team. You still got an NFL team. I, I can't. It's it, Honestly, it's, it's really only the NFL team that I feel incredibly bad for people. NBA, Supersonics, go become a Thunder fan. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. That's good, though. They're eventually, the, the idea here and what I think is going to happen, I think, and this is why I don't feel bad, Seattle's going to eventually get an NBA team. The same time Las Vegas gets an NBA team, the Las Vegas team is going to be owned by LeBron. That's going to be his retirement gift. Like, some people get a gold watch. In the NBA, if you're an all-time great, like Michael Jordan, they give you an NBA team. That's your gold watch. So it'll be LeBron's thank you to the sport by the NBA from the NBA is going to be the Las Vegas, whatever he wants to call that team. They just have to wait for him to actually retire first. And then Seattle will get the team. Las Vegas will get the team. So the good people of Seattle, honestly, should be rooting against LeBron James as often as they possibly can. Like, hey, uh, the sooner you retire, the sooner we can have our team, the sooner we can uh, stop waiting for play-in games or whatever the in-season tournament is called at that point. All right, leave that there.
We come on back. Alex Glancy, he's locked on Cardinals. He's going to get you guys set up. We got a big game coming up, and I'm very confused as to what Arizona's actually doing out there. Are they going to go with Kyler Murray? Are they going to go with Clayton Toon? Are they trying to tank to go ahead and get Caleb Williams? Or is Kyler Murray the long-term answer? Alex Clancy, going to join us next right here. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterman on the fan.